Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, November 12th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss a lot of the news and reveals coming out of Disney Plus Day. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Happy birthday, Peter. Oh, thank you. Thank you for oh, happy, bir- happy birthday, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like and now uh, the day has become known as Disney Plus Day, also known as the, the day that uh, Stan Lee left us. But it's also the day of my birth. So, um, Did you get a Disney Plus cake this year? <laughs> no. I, it, were they sending out cakes? This no, year? I, don't I don't think know. so. You were just mentioning the yeah, other day that that yeah. happened last year. Not bitter about it at all. <laughs> Bet. Not, not not at all. Uh, but we did get this whole event, this online event where Disney announced a lot of new, well, not even just Disney Plus. They announced some Disney stuff. They announced some Fox stuff. Um, but let's get into it. Before we'll, we'll get into later on the event itself and talking about uh, what we thought of that. But let's break down the news. Uh, let's first talk about Fox, 20th Century Fox. This is something we didn't expect from the event, but they they revealed uh, Dan Trachtenberg's new Predator prequel. Brad, tell us about it. Yeah, this is the, the big outlier from today's news that isn't explicitly Disney+, Plus, but it falls under the overall Disney banner because uh, 20th Century Studios is now owned by Disney. Uh, and as we've heard previously, there's a new Predator movie in the works from Dan Trachtenberg, the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, and it's, it has a new title from what we heard it was before, and we had some details confirmed in a first-look photo. So the movie, formerly known as Skulls, has now been given the official title of Prey, playing on the Predator title. Uh, and the movie is set for release in 2022, and it will be released on Hulu in the United States and then Disney Plus's uh, Disney Plus Star internationally in the summer of 2022. Uh, we don't have any details on whether or not it will also be released in theaters. It sounds like this might could be a Hulu exclusive, perhaps 
them testing out the waters of uh, doing a big blockbuster exclusive release on Hulu because they haven't really had a project, I think, of that size. Uh, even in the, the age of the, the pandemic, I feel like uh, Hulu hasn't really had that any big movies to debut on the streaming service. So this could be an experiment for them to try out. Um, the, the first photo is cool because this movie is uh, not set in contemporary times uh, or even during the times of the original Predator in the 80s. It's set 300 years ago, uh, and it follows this Comanche warrior, uh, a, a young woman who tries to protect her tribe from uh, a predator that is in the, the jungle nearby. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this, and uh, I like the title a lot. I was, <laughs> you, you, you know, having uh, been reading about this project uh, for a while, I was really nervous that it was going to be called, like, Predator Origins or, you know, um, Skulls with a Z, a Predator story. Pre-Predator. <laughs> you know, so, pre, <laughs> but Prey is actually a very good title, a very clever title. Um, I am a little nervous about this being potentially going direct to Hulu. I don't know. I, I, I almost said dumped. I almost used the word dumped, but I feel like the world that we live in now, like going direct to streaming doesn't necessarily, it doesn't mean that anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, we've seen some of the biggest movies of this year and last year released direct to streaming. Uh, it's just weird because I know, uh, you know, I'm friends with Dan and I know he's such a, you know, a believer in the theatrical experience. And I I don't think he would want to see a, his film go direct to streaming. Um, you know, I haven't had this discussion with him. So I'm, this is not me relaying what he said. Um, so I'm, I'm very interested to see if this does get a theatrical release. Uh, maybe in conjunction with Hulu? Would they even do? I guess theaters probably wouldn't allow that. But um, I mean, they're starting uh, to allow it with certain, you know, um, Netflix movies and then also the the Warner Brothers thing this year. So it's not yeah. out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, but uh, we'll keep an eye on this. The image definitely looks cool. Um, OK, let's move on to Disney animation. And I, I should say that there was a lot of things announced at this event, which were like release dates or here's the title treatment for this movie. Uh, and there's a couple trailers as well, some like uh, uh, lesser tier stuff that we're not we're not going to talk about. But I'll put a link in the show notes if you if you missed all the stuff uh, because it's hard to kind of track online. There's not like one source to get all the stuff. But uh, thankfully on Slash Film we have rounded everything up so you can find it all in one place. Uh, but let, let's talk about Disney Animation and uh, let's talk about uh, a project that is coming. It's it's a Princess and the Frog sequel. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah, so there's a show called Tiana, which I think had been announced before, um, and it's, it follows the the lead character from The Princess and the Frog, and we didn't really get a ton of new information about that show, but we did get an image from the show, like a first look of, uh, of the Tiana character on a, you know, a Titanic-looking steamship, you know, like a big, uh, a big vessel. So um, that's cool. She seems to be running through some sort of water that has, like... Uh, I can't tell exactly what those those splashy colors are in the in the reflection of the water. If those are supposed to be some sort of magical characters, or if it's just supposed to be um, <laughs> reflecting uh, the sort of like um, you know uh, more of like a uh, a metaphorical almost... reflection of like the the New Orleans sort of uh, you know nightlife kind of jazzy vibe that the the 2009 movie had. 
I was going to say, it almost looks like it would be like the reflections of fireworks, but it's clearly daytime. So there's no yeah. fireworks in the sky. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. This is interesting. It's a, uh, this is coming out and they also announced it's coming out in 2023. Yes. So, and it's a, a long form musical series. So that's interesting. And, and you've talked before, Peter, on this show about how um, the, what is it? The, uh, Splash Mountain ride at, at the, in the Disney parks is being reworked into a uh, Princess and the Frog ride. Is that still happening? Yeah, yeah, that's still happening. And that's also a uh, follows the events of Princess and the Frog. I will say this, I, you know, I don't know how you feel about Princess and the Frog, but um, the I, I'm kind of mixed on it. But the one thing I liked was Tiana, but she's not much like for the most part, she's a frog for the right. entire movie. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to get to follow her adventures as a human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too, definitely. So, um, another thing in animation that wasn't announced, but we got some more information on is the Chippendale movie, uh, the Rescue Rangers. Brad, tell us about that. Yeah, just the slightest bit of an update. Uh, this project was announced uh, a while back, and uh, we heard that John Mulaney and Andy Samberg would be playing Chippendale when Disney further updated the project during their big investor call late last year. And today, in a brief video, Mulaney and Samberg teased the project, and uh, they said it's not a reboot, but it's a comeback, and one that's been 30 years in the making. So I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what that means, but my guess is that this might be something akin to the live-action CG Scooby-Doo movie, which basically acknowledged kind of like the animated adventures that Scooby-Doo and Mystery Inc. had before the movie still existed, um, even though it's a different change in medium. And I feel like that might happen with this Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie, because even though it's also live-action and CG hybrid, I think maybe it may continue what had happened in the original animated series from the, the late eighties, early nineties. Interesting. That's a guess. That's just speculation on my part. I don't know for sure, but based on how they're talking about it, I feel like, you know, it being a comeback rather than a reboot means they're not going to ignore the stuff that people may already understand and know about Chippendale rescue Rangers. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Pixar. Uh, there's a couple of Pixar things that we kind of got from this event. Uh, the first is uh, a look at a car. Cars is not dead, guys. I thought Cars 3 was going to end this franchise, but it's continuing on. And there's a new ser anthology series. Brad, tell us about that. Yeah, so at least I think it's going to be an anthology series based on the concept art that they released. Um, it's called Cars on the Road, uh, and it's basically a cross-country road trip series with Lightning McQueen and Mater, and Owen Wilson and Larry the Cable Guy will both be back to voice those characters. And the concept art shows some kind of wild adventures, and the they're so drastically different from anything that feels like it could be quote-unquote realistic in the Cars universe that I feel like this has to be some kind of anthology like storytelling series because one of the concept art images has lightning mcqueen and mater amongst this group of cars that look like they're straight out of mad max fury road <laughs> and then another one has them being chased by these kind of giant monster truck dinosaur vehicles um and lightning what and almost mater looks like Rex almost yeah, and then Lightning and Mater themselves have, like, they have slightly different features. Their eyebrow ridges have been uh, extended or exaggerated, kind of like cavemen, and you can see that they have whiskers on their uh, their car faces, which raises a whole bunch of new questions uh, for me. Um, and then the, the most, like, simple image is just Lightning McQueen being chased by a monster truck through the woods at night. So 
these all seem like they could easily be like stories that lightning and mater are maybe telling each other while they're on the road or that they they hear or something like that i don't i don't know but this just looks wild and weird and crazy and continues to raise so many more questions about how the cars universe works <laughs> yeah i'm always fascinated by that but it, it, this isn't the first time that they've done cars short animated stories they've done like cars tunes they did a series of those um they also had like uh what was it like meters um it was like him telling stories that were obviously exaggerated and fantastical about his life. So this seems to be something different. I, I wonder I wonder if it will connect or not, or if it will just be like these. I mean, because if it's just going to be stories, then it could just be fit into one of those other things. But I guess, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, I think more interesting to me from Pixar is this their first original long form series that is coming to Disney plus. So, you know, Pixar has been around for almost four decades now. They have never done an original TV series, uh, long form TV series, and it's called win or lose. And they released the, uh, some concept art and we, we have some information. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah, it looks really cool. It's um, basically the, the premise boils down to uh it's it's a comedy about rivalry, love, and what it means to win. And it's it uh, each episode that are, I think the episode is going to be about twenty minutes long. Um, sort of follows uh, the perspective, or is told from the perspective of a character playing in a, a middle school softball team, a co-ed middle school softball team. So you you understand you know um, the anxieties of uh, what it might be to like get up you know, stand up to the plate and, and take a pitch, you know, when you're that age and, and just sort of uh, maybe you can, there might be an episode about the best player on the team, the worst player on the team, maybe one from the coach's perspective. Um, there, The concept art for this looks really cool. I mean, as you would expect from Pixar. I'm curious though, if like, because the um, perspectives are going to shift so drastically throughout this show, if the art style of the show itself is also going to shift or if this, the, uh, diversity in styles of this concept art is just what normally happens with concept art. If you have any of those art of books for any movie or TV show, you probably know that like there are a bunch of different artists that contribute uh, pieces and the styles can be pretty different when it comes to just sketching out early ideas for shows and stuff. So, um, or or movies. So I think uh, I'm most curious to see like whether they're going to just commit to one visual aesthetic throughout (laughs) this whole thing, or if, uh, because they're Pixar and because, you know, people are probably going to be looking at this uh, under a, a pretty fine microscope, you know, because because it is their first full length series. If they'll try to do something more, um, I don't know, aesthetically challenging to, just to uh, to grab the attention, you know. Yeah. The thing that strikes me at first about this concept art is how colorful it is. It looks like at least judging by the concept art, like you said, Ben, like it might not be. indicative of what we end up getting it looks like the most colorful pixar film we've ever seen yeah 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 Yeah, so uh i'm I'm very curious to see 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 more of this and see see what actually ends up looking like because the coach character almost looks like he's like from wreck it ralph or something Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so um also uh pixar announced that they're doing two docuseries they're doing turning red and Lightyear, uh, b- based on those movies so we're going to get to see the making of those for disney plus um let's move on to star wars there's a lot of star wars fans excited 
because Disney Plus Day was coming up, and you know the future, the near term future of Star Wars is all on Disney Plus. So fans were just foaming at the bit to, uh, you know, learn, foaming learn at about, the bit—that's a new thing. Foaming at the well, what am I looking for, Brad? Foaming at the mouth or or uh, chomping or champing at chomping the bit. at the bit. Okay, <laughs> Th- thanks, Brad. Uh, <laughs> Either way, they were looking for Star Wars stuff, and what we got instead of you know an Obi Wan Kenobi trailer or uh, Cassian the first uh, like an, another trailer or any of those stuff, we just got a Obi Wan Kenobi first look. Uh, Brad, I know you broke this down for the site, but why don't you tell us uh, tell us your thoughts on it and uh, what what we can take away. So yeah, what we basically got was a little featurette that was a little um, less than a minute. Or, or ah, shit, sorry, I'll start over. Okay. <laughs> what we basically got was a featurette that's a little over a minute long. It doesn't have any footage from the series, but it does have about nine or ten pieces of concept art from the show that reveal some details about what we can expect from the series that takes place between Revenge of the Sith and Star Wars A New Hope. So we get to see uh, what amounts to basically like a a kind of a cowboy version of Obi-Wan. He looks rather uh, dusty and and rugged. He's riding an Eopi, which is a creature that we saw in The Phantom Menace. Um, He's got some gear on it, and clearly in the middle of the Tatooine Desert. Uh, We also get to see a uh, a ship and some stormtroopers that are accompanied by a familiar figure known as a Sith Inquisitor. This will usher in the the first live action appearance uh, of these Jedi hunters that have been a frequent uh, foe in the animated shows, and that's an exciting inclusion to see brought into the live action Star Wars universe. Kind of a, um, similar to having Ahsoka brought into the Mandalorian, uh, which yeah. is an exciting thing for fans to see. And it, and it makes sense to bring them in because you know if the if the big bad of this series is Darth Vader, as we assume. You can't have Darth Vader showing up and fighting Obi-Wan multiple times throughout the series. You know, there's probably only one fight there, right? Maybe maybe two encounters. Like, you, you just can't, like, have that happen too often is basically what I'm saying. So yeah, Inquis- sure. Inquisitors just make sense. Yeah. And it also makes us wonder if maybe we'll see the Inquisitors hunting down other surviving Jedi besides Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because there are a few of them that are still out there surviving. So that, that would be an interesting development to have. Uh, we get a look at some new locations. Uh, one of them looks to be some kind of city that kind of has an aesthetic similar to it, like a, a Tatooine Moss Eisley spaceport or something like that. But it looks much too different to be part of uh, Tatooine, especially because if you look closely at the art, you can see that it looks like the uh, the ground is reflective, almost as if it's been raining there. And I can't imagine Tatooine gets much rain. Um, there's also uh, another environment that shows a fleet of snow speeders and you can't really tell, but it looks like the base uh, is inside of like a cavern. I can't tell if it's icy or if it's just rocky. So I'm wondering if we'll get to see these speeders in action before they were adapted to be used in the extreme cold in Hoth, which would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also another environment that shows a bunch of stormtroopers in what appears to be a very large Imperial base. It has uh, a stone exterior, but inside it resembles a lot of what we've seen in Imperial bases before, uh, different ships and things like that. I'm assuming this is some kind of stronghold, maybe on Coruscant, or that maybe they've like a, adapted one of the Republic buildings into being um, their new base or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you should check out the rest of the concept art because these illustrations are uh, gorgeous. It looks like we might be returning to Coruscant. There's a picture of um, an, uh, kind of like a, maybe an underground market. And we see Darth Vader 
chilling out in uh, his castle, sitting in the throne and communicating with someone by way of hologram. I'm not sure if it's Emperor Palpatine, uh, maybe the Sith Inquisitor, but uh, yeah, there's lots of stuff going on here. And, you know, just, just the promise of Obi-Wan and Darth Vader coming together again uh, is an exciting one. And hopefully we'll get to see some actual footage from this show sooner than later, since it's supposed to come out next year. Yeah, we actually see them training. We see Hayden and um, you and uh, like lightsaber training. They're like wearing uh, COVID masks or uh, face masks, not like uh, costume masks. Yes. And um, it, it, I mean, Kathleen Kennedy, when she announced this thing or announced that Hayden Christensen was going to be part of this, she said it was going to be the rematch of the century. Century? Okay. Yes. Century. Um, so we already knew that they were going to go at it with lightsabers, but uh, it's cool that they're they're hinting at this. I, I am surprised that they didn't show any footage, and I'm also surprised that this is the only Star Wars thing on Disney Plus Day. And Well, so there, there, technically there's one other Star Wars um, thing from Disney Plus Day. It's not anything revelatory, but... <laughs> yeah, but they, they released a, a little mini documentary. It's about 20 minutes long about the, the origins and like development and evolution of Boba Fett. And it's actually pretty cool. It's it's not um, like the Marvel Legends recap videos that they've been doing on Disney Plus where they fill people in who maybe need to catch up or recap what has happened with certain characters before their new shows come out on Disney Plus. But it actually has some cool behind the scenes footage of like the original Boba Fett with the the white armor and how the character came to be in Empire Strikes Back and then has new talking heads with George Lucas and Dave Filoni. So it's actually a pretty cool little documentary short that's that's worth checking out on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I think it's worth it just for those uh, talking head interviews, the, the new ones with Filoni and, and uh, Lucas alone. Okay, let's move on to Marvel. Marvel, I think, was what, what got a lot of people excited about from uh, Disney+. Plus. Uh, first of which is a new animated series that we had no idea was happening. It's called Spider-Man Freshman Year. And uh, Ben, tell us about this. Yeah, so like you mentioned, this is like one of the biggest surprises of the day. Uh, this new show is going to be about Peter Parker's early days as a hero. Uh, the The show follows the teen hero, quote, on his way to becoming Spider-Man in the MCU with a journey unlike any we've ever seen and a style that celebrates the character's early comic book roots. So um, we know that uh, Jeff Trammell, who has worked on other animated shows like Craig of the Creek and The Owl House, is going to be writing and executive producing this. But we don't know whether Tom Holland is going to come back to provide the voice of this version of Peter Parker. Uh, I linked to in the show notes of this episode, you can uh, check out this this link. Somebody tweeted there's a, um, a little image here of what this version of Peter Parker, Peter Parker looks like. And it does look kind of like the Peter Parker from the 60s, you know, like the original comic version of the character. Uh, and it does not really look that much like Tom Holland. I mean, he's wearing glasses. He's got like sort of a yellow sweater or sweater vest kind of situation going on, which is sort of what I remember, you know, him, the, the Peter Parker character looking like from when I read comic, the original comic back in the day uh, when I was a kid. So it does say that this character is the Spider-Man that's in the MCU. So I would assume that Tom Holland mm. is going to be involved, but I don't know, man, Spider-Verse, there's, there's all sorts of like weird stuff with Spider-Man going on as evidenced by the, the Sony Venom thing and all of that. So I don't know exactly if they're going to try to spin this off into its own like alternate history, kind of what if situation, or if this is literally supposed to be things that happened to this version of the character before we caught up with him in, you know, in Captain America Civil War or what. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about that because, you know, the movies left a lot on the table. You know, they they chose not to show the origin story. They chose not to show all, all the stuff. But, like, how much could Peter Parker actually get himself into before the events of what we saw him in live action MCU? Like, I feel like it's not think, like he think, encountered any, like, huge supervillains. No, but I think there's plenty there to work with for, like, an animated series because – when we meet him in Civil War, he's already kind of established himself as this street level, you know, superhero. He's been helping people and things like that. So I think that there's at least a little bit there that we can follow with with Peter Parker, you know, stopping small time crimes and, and things like that. But like he doesn't have his Spider-Man costume yet, right? So like, well, not, yeah, not the, think, not the new one anyway. Do you think that they would make an entire Spider-Man show with him just in a red hoodie like that? You know, hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they would do that. I mean, maybe the show is more like an Archie comic or do you know what I mean? Like it's more of like a high school based, uh, you know, it's more Peter Parker than it is Spider-Man. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, it could be. I will say that, uh, you know, that first film, uh, Spider-Man Home- Homecoming. Yep. Is that the first one? Yeah. Yes. Um, that was what I enjoyed most about that film was when it went small with the high school stuff rather than the, you know, like the big battle at the end with Vulture and stuff like that. So I would be interested to see what they do here. Although, you know, when you have the medium of animation, like uh, you almost want to kind of go big because going big almost costs as much as going small. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, yeah. So. Okay, uh, let's move to another animated series that's coming to Disney Plus, and this is Marvel Zombies. Brad, tell us about it. Yeah, Marvel wasn't joking when they said they were going to be doing a lot more animated projects following Marvel's What If earlier this year. Uh, funnily enough, Marvel's What If did do an episode that adapted the Marvel Zombies concept within the confines of this alternate MCU. Uh, but this sounds like it will be a more direct adaptation of the Marvel Zombies uh, five-issue comic miniseries that was published between 2005 and 2006. Um, the, that comic series was created by Robert Kirkman, the creator of The Walking Dead, uh, and it finds an alien virus that has arrived on Earth and mutates all of uh, the Marvel superheroes that we know and love into flesh-eating zombies. Uh, and then, as we all know, they uh, run out of humans to eat, and then that's when the real zombie insanity begins. So uh, this will be something that is... Uh, pretty cool for fans who have loved marvel zombies for a long time it was already cool enough to see it brought into uh what if but since they're going to be actually adapting the comic and not uh beholden to remixing the mcu i think this has the potential to be very cool do you think that this is going to be re- related to what if in any way is it going to be connected to that story we saw or do you think it's going to be totally its own thing I think it'll probably be its own thing because even the logo itself, they got, they borrow it from the comics. And so it feels like this kind of needs to be uh, a separate thing. I, I have a feeling a lot of these animated things will probably be fairly independent from, from the MCU. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe they figure out a way to connect it and it'll be another alternate universe kind of story that exists somewhere in the MCU's multiverse. Yeah. Uh, probably one of the most exciting announcements today was the announcement that the X-Men animated series is coming back with a sequel. Ben, tell us about that. Yeah, this is really, really cool. So there's a new show coming called X-Men 97, which is going to pick up where the original X-Men the animated series left off, which actually came to a close in 1997. So um, yeah, this is really, really cool news. I'm I'm very happy about this as somebody who watched all of X-Men the animated series. And that was really like my introduction to those characters. And I feel like there's a whole generation of people who 
you know, we're in that right age gap of like not having read the comics. And uh, this was before the uh, X-Men live action movies came around. So um, I think a lot of people have uh, a real fondness for the X-Men, the animated series. And and now um, seeing this story continued uh, with a lot of the same folks that were still involved, uh, you know, with or that were still, that were involved with the original, uh, including a lot of the original cast members and um, some of the original writers and, and director is going to be, um, you know, on board as a consultant for this one too. So um, there's, this seems like, yeah, just a, a really cool opportunity to continue a story that a lot of people loved in a style that a lot of people loved. Yeah. I, I love that series from the nineties. I, I was like, so into it in my mind, it's a better adaptation of the X-Men than anything we've seen on the big screen so far. And um, it's funny how they kind of announced this with like they had this teaser poster that was uh, Wolverine looking at the uh, the announcement, the uh, that whole meme thing mm-hmm. that they do. Um, I know that the show in 1997 ended with this epic uh, episode where Charles Xavier is injured and he actually, uh, you know, all the X-Men gather, even Magneto gather around him at the hospital bed and he says his tearful goodbyes and actually dies and then, but only to be because this is an animated series for kids, only to be brought back, but uh, in a way that he has to stay in a certain place that's away from the X Men. Uh, I'm wondering if Xavier is going to have a big role in this series, or if they're going to, if, if this is going to have to deal with the X Men going forward without the, you know, the over being overseen. By, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the the latter is more interesting to me um, because Xavier was such an important part of that uh, original series. And if they really are going to pick up exactly where this left off, then Xavier sort of gets whisked away to like the Shi'ar Empire, which is like, <laughs> I mean, the the uh, the one thing about the X-Men the animated series is like they were not afraid to freaking go for it when it came <laughs> to like super weird stuff um, and like yeah, in the live action movies have not even come close to the amount of uh, just off the wall bonkers, like straight up comic book weirdness that uh, that original series was able to embrace. So, um, yeah, I would love it if if Xavier just like essentially becomes a force ghost and just, you know, telepathically, you know, beams in every once in a while, maybe communicates with people and uh, but is, is sort of a yeah, an unseen force throughout this whole uh, new version of the show. Yeah, I like that as well. And this is coming in 2023. And another thing we we just learned about, I think, a week or two ago was that Catherine Hahn is going to reprise her role as Agatha Harkness in a new Disney Plus TV show. And now we have some more information on that. Brad, tell us about it. Yes, now it has a title. The show will be called Agatha House of Harkness. Uh, it will have Catherine Hahn back as Agatha and she will be doing something. <laughs> um, I, I would bet that this is probably a prequel series because when we last saw Agatha, uh, she was trapped um, in the town that Wanda had created her uh, world for her and Vision to have some form of happily ever after and took away her magical abilities. So this, if it's a sequel, maybe it could be about her getting out of there and maybe getting some semblance of her powers back. But I feel like she has such a long... Uh, gap from when she gained her powers back during the Salem Witch Trials and from when she stumbled upon Wanda that there's probably plenty of stories you could tell in between there uh, with her potentially encountering other uh, magical, mystical power wielders and things like that. Um, I, I'm i not super um, 
knowledgeable about the kind of the other characters that Agatha has interacted with besides people like Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch. So I'm not sure who else they could bring in to, for to be the villain to Agatha's what would likely be an anti-hero kind of character. But um, the idea of just having Catherine Hahn back in this role is just is good enough for me. Yeah, and uh, I could totally see like a period set like you know, shortly after the Salem witch trials kind of story, that would be kind of cool and something different for the MCU. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not sure if I like this title though. Like it, I know Marvel uses like this a lot where it's like the house of M the house of, you know, whatever it's Agatha house of Harkness. Uh, come on. I almost kind of wish it was like Agatha all along, but that, that would probably, I guess be too, uh, uh, feeding into fandom. But um, yeah, uh, we'll learn more about this as time goes by. Uh, there was also like a Disney released a what would you call this? Like a sizzle reel for the uh, for what we've seen from Marvel so far on Disney Plus and what is coming in the near future. And they. They put this on Disney Plus for us to watch. Brad, I know you did a, a rundown of some of this stuff. Could you just quickly uh, t- tell us uh, what we, why we should watch this or why we shouldn't watch this and uh, w- what is part of it? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're going to want to watch this if you want to see the actual footage from the upcoming Marvel shows that are being released over the next year or two because they're not releasing this footage on YouTube uh, and the only place that you can watch it apparently is through the Disney Plus app. So this includes the fir- um, first, or not, well, not the first footage of all these series, but first footage for some of them, as far as we're concerned. Uh, that includes Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Ms. Marvel, and just just a, a quick little snippet for a Secret Invasion. Um, they're they're not really full trailers. They're maybe like fifteen to twenty seconds of actual footage from the show with little snippets of dialogue that introduce us to the characters and the visual style of the show. So we get to see Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight. We can see Tatiana Maslany. As She-Hulk, we get to see um, the debut of the, the what will essentially be the first Marvel fangirl that becomes a superhero, uh, with Kamala Khan entering the fray as as Ms. Marvel. And then uh, we get a look at a, a, a grizzled sort of uh, Nick Fury that will be in Secret Invasion. So uh, we have broken down the, uh, the shots that you get to see within this uh, sizzle reel, as you called it. Um, there's not a lot to discover but there are little hints of things that we can expect uh and it's just it's cool to get a glimpse um at some of these more obscure marvel characters coming into the mcu yeah and another thing that's in the sizzle reel is also a clip from hawkeye the upcoming disney plus series yes and it's this cool action sequence that it almost feels like they're like Oh, we, we saw that scene in Ch- Children of Men when they're when they're in the car and all the actions going on around them. Maybe let's do that with Hawkeye. And, Weirdly uh, enough, that clip isn't in the first two episodes that we were given for uh, review. So that must be coming later in the series. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, uh, I think we've run down most of the important stuff. Uh, but, you know, this morning was intense. It was insane. This whole thing took place on twitter it was done in a twitter thread on twitter so like you know warner brothers have done their dc fandom where it's like all this like this big highly produced video thing uh, almost like a, a virtual comic con we've we've seen virtual comic cons that have not gone some that have gone okay and some that have gone badly uh 
Ben, where do you think this ranks in like, uh, you know, the the new world of of virtual press events? Or I guess this isn't a press event, uh, virtual uh, announcement events. Uh, it's pretty close to the bottom, Peter. It was not great. Um, <laughs> you know, just in terms of the, the the totality of the announcements and news and footage that we got, if you take a step back and look at all of it, there's a lot of like little things, but nothing, you know, even I, I feel like even if they had just released a single full trailer for either Kenobi or, you know, one of the Marvel things, that could have maybe tipped the scales a little bit in terms of the general reception or my general reception of like this event overall. But I think just the fact that it was so, um, you know, almost like nickel and dimey, just sort of like a little bit here, a little bit there. And then the rollout, as you said, over Twitter was just such a disaster because, you know, Patrick Dempsey and and Amy Adams, I think were uh, listed in one of the first videos that they released during this, this monster thread because they were involved with disenchanted the sequel to enchanted that's coming up and then for some reason disney just kept responding to the same uh to to keep the thread alive they kept responding but like including the twitter handles of all the people that came before or mentioned before instead (sighs) of just unchecking them so every subsequent tweet seemed to be like uh to give them less and less room to actually write details of what what some of this stuff is um and a lot of times when they just share a logo and there's no video for something we rely on the text in their tweets to provide some sort of context for what it is that we're seeing whether it's like just a one sentence description of something or an official synopsis or whatever it is and uh so much of it like i feel so bad for patrick dempsey because like his twitter must be completely unusable now um because of all these uh these different announcements that like every single one like listed him in it so um yeah in terms of like the actual rollout itself on a technological level i was not uh super impressed with and then the content wise i was gonna say it's also weird that like you know disney has been known to try 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 they they're always trying to reach the next generation the younger audiences you know they've gone hard with TikTok um it just seems weird that they're doing this over like little bits of text which is, I don't know it doesn't like people want like video if not video they want photos and all this over Twitter just seemed like such a weird weird approach to it yeah it was definitely strange what did you think about it Brad yeah, I mean, so the Twitter thing wasn't super surprising because they that's that, they did that before for Disney Plus Day, um, but I feel like they had so much more to announce that it felt a little bit more exciting and not so, um, I don't know, scattered and just messy. But like, yeah, there was just wasn't enough exciting stuff here to really make it worth paying attention to a Twitter thread for that long. And since we've seen things like DC Fandom and uh, even Netflix's To Dumb events go off so well with this uh, live stream with recorded elements and new trailers debuting on their YouTube channels as soon as they're out there. I don't know why Disney Plus opted to go this route instead of doing something uh, similar to what they did with their investor announcements last year, which was such a huge thing. Like It could have been smaller scale, but I feel like it wouldn't have been hard for them to pull that off and just have a much more clear, concise way of releasing things because like the, the two specials um, that they posted to Disney plus exclusively from Pixar and Marvel, uh, they just kind of announced them like with a shrug, like, Hey, hey, these are out there. Go, go find them. And like, it took a while for them to even pop up on the main page. You had to search for them. So 
it was just messy and i wish that it was better executed just just for the sake of clarity for everybody because like we know how to dig around and find this stuff and and we you know it's our job to bring it to the public so that they can see it but like if you're a normal person and you're not paying attention to sites like us or things like that and you hearing about this stuff and you're like where can i find it it's it's really difficult to track it down <laughs> And it yeah. actually made it worse because Disney released, you know, some of this stuff early to places like Variety and Deadline, who then went on to publish articles early before Disney had actually unveiled the footage that that these articles are referencing. So they're like, at Disney Plus Day today, Disney released the first look at this. And it's like, they haven't done it yet. You are an idiot. You've jumped the gun here. And now everyone is confused. What are you doing? So, yeah, there's it, it was a failure on multiple fronts, I think. Yeah, and also the, probably the possibly the biggest snafu. Well, actually, there's two snafus. Snafu number one. Yesterday, a bunch of the stuff leaked onto the onto like uh, some Indian account on YouTube. So we got to see this Obi Wan thing and a bunch of the other stuff a day early, which I'm sure people got fired for. But number two, d- d- during this event, uh, they they were talking about uh, this new Will Smith series welcome to earth and they tagged the wrong will smith in not one but two tweets and then as you said every subsequent tweet was at replied to this you know at will smith who is not you know the will smith that we know actually i think on twitch he's uh his name is not that will smith but (laughs) but he apparently beat will smith to or actually isn't will smith will or something at will or something on Twitter. It's, it's something small. So maybe maybe Will Smith, you know, is happy getting the smaller. No, it isn't. He's not at Will. So I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, so this guy's, uh, you know, his Twitter mentions are unusable probably forever. Because like <laughs> people are going to be replying to these things for years. I've been included sometimes from like, a, you know, a conversation in like Ryan Johnson includes me and in, at reply or replies to me and like, for years there's not a day that goes by that i don't get someone replying to that thread so i can't imagine uh this poor guy which uh who is uh <laughs> lucky to be named will smith and get the twitter account will smith who uh, <laughs> has been included in this and in 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 the sad part about it is it's not even like disney could delete those two tweets because he's on every subsequent tweet as an at reply so yeah um what do you guys think about getting people to pay for Disney Plus to see these trailers? I know Disney Plus right now this week, I think they're doing a deal. It's like one ninety nine for the first month if you're a new subscriber, which is a good deal. Um, there's a lot of content on there. Um, I, I think it's actually worth the full price. But uh, you know, as part of this event, you mentioned there's this Marvel thing, there's the Obi Wan thing, uh, and they basically didn't put these online, didn't put it on YouTube. People have uploaded them to Twitter and YouTube, and they've been Disney's been taking them down. So they basically want you to pay for Disney Plus to see these trailers. Brad, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's kind of sneaky and kind of smart, I guess, because. They got people, you know, who are interested and maybe haven't signed up for Disney Plus to get a free month, check out what's in the library, see all the new stuff that arrived on Disney Plus Day, which includes Shang-Chi streaming for the first time, uh, Home Sweet Home Alone, and some other things. And then they get to see these sneak peeks at what's to come, so it might entice them to stick around. But at the same time, putting these sneak peeks and trailers and footage behind a paywall like this is kind of 
crappy, uh, if, especially if you want to promote this to the widest possible audience and you want really good coverage of it. You know, obviously sites like ours are still highlighting it and pointing out where people can watch it and putting information out there that is contained within. So people who maybe can't watch it still know what's going on. But uh, I don't know. It just seems weird to think that just by reducing the price of the subscription that you'll get people to pay to watch some trailers because I, I know I wouldn't pay uh, just to watch a, tra- a trailer because it just seems nonsense to pay to watch a commercial, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, w- why not just have a special like they did the uh, the DC Fandom or uh, Tootalum? Like, why don't, why don't they do one of those that's only on Disney Plus? Like, I think that would be worth it if it was like an hour or two hour long, you know, event that you have to go watch on Disney Plus. That's a reason to do it. I don't, I don't know. see a reason. I think, I think you're still paying, though, to see a bunch of commercials, whereas DC Fandom and Netflix, like, they, they broadcast it on YouTube and on the internet and a bunch of different places. So, like, yeah. that's what they should have done. Yeah. Uh, ben, what do you think about this? Yeah, same. Um, yeah. It's it's really, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird move because, like, you would think that they would want the widest possible audience to know about this stuff and like if you just put that on disney plus think about the the um the normal disney plus subscriber right this person uh, this this uh average person that i'm describing does not read slashfilm.com does not follow this kind of stuff on the internet does not listen to a podcast like this one they just click around and maybe you know who knows once a week once a month just check out what's happening on disney plus so like to just make something only available there in the hopes that subscribers, enough average subscribers are just interested enough to click around and maybe stumble across this thing. Like it's not even, I checked earlier and it wasn't even up in like the main, uh, you know, featured thing on Disney plus. It was like, well, they, just, they've, they've now changed that, but yeah, okay, it, w- so. it wasn't like that for the first hour or two, which is baffling to me. Yeah. Okay. So at least they did that, I guess. So that that should maybe help with that problem. But um, I don't know. Yeah. It's just a, a really strange choice, I think. Yeah. And it's so weird too because Disney a few months ago did this like investors. Was it a few months ago? Maybe it was longer than that. Did this event, investors day where they did kind of like the DC fandom. Yeah, uh, that was last December. Oh, was it December? Wow. Yeah, December 2020. I'll, I'll remember the day forever. We had like four people from Slash Film writing uh, news articles for like 10 hours or something, it seemed like. Yeah. So why do that for investors conference? But, but you know, Disney Plus Day gets a Twitter stream. Because investors have millions of dollars and we are just pissants giving them a few dollars each month. Disney Plus is the future of the company, apparently. But okay, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to all our coverage, uh, a roundup of all our coverage. Uh, There's a lot more. There's a lot of stuff that we didn't get to. There's new Ice Age. There's a Enchanted sequel. There's Hocus Pocus. There's there's just a ton of stuff. So uh, if you want to check that out, you can check it out there. Um, This podcast is published every weekday on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to peter at slashfilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. We'll see you on Monday.